Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker, this is Talk Wrestling on TalkSport 2. Shout out to Talk Wrestling. What's up? You're listening to the Talk Wrestling Podcast on the Fight Night feed from TalkSport. Thank you so much for downloading and for giving us another shot. Keep them getting in touch. Trying it for the first time. Whatever you're doing, we absolutely love that you're here with us on Talk Wrestling, the only show on national radio. Talking wrestling, sports entertainment, and the graps every single week, every Monday night on Talk Sports 2. Coming up on this week's podcast, we have our exclusive interviews with Sammy Guevara, the Spanish God, and with WWE Hall of Famer Jeff Jarrett on the launch of his new podcast. Plus, what next for Daniel Bryan? All Coming up here on Talk Wrestling. I'm Will Gavin. Every week on TalkSport 2, we bring you Talk Wrestling with myself and TalkSport's wrestling czar, Alex McCarthy. A less chat-heavy, more interview-heavy podcast version of the show for you this week. But just a reminder, if this is your first time checking it out, or if you've been listening to us from our first podcast, our first radio show, however long you've been a fan of the show, don't forget to give us a rating, give us a review, check out the podcast, make sure you're subscribed, all those great things, spread the word on social media because all those things help us find more listeners we love it we love that you get involved we want to hear more from you we'll do listener sections we'll do texts and tweets we'll do you know mailbags all that stuff as well we just want you the listener to be involved so do it get involved coming up on the show today as i say shortly wwe hall of famer jeff jarrett plus myself and well alex mccarthy more so give our thoughts on future Hall of Famer for WWE Daniel Bryan and his departure from Smackdown this past week we've just had the phenomenal blood and gut show from AEW and and look, we're going to be reviewing that show on this coming Monday night show on TalkSport 2. But ahead of Blood and Guts, our very own Alex McCarthy caught up with the Spanish god Sammy Guevara in an incredibly revealing interview where he really goes in-depth about some of those controversies over the last two years that he's gone through, how he's come out of the other side of it. But he started off by talking about being in Vegas and being involved against Kip Sabian in the first ever AEW singles match. Man, it was, it was nuts, you know. Uh... I wanted to make sure I did a whole bunch of crazy stuff to stand out, even wear crazy stuff, wear the big panda head, you know, yeah. try, try to do uh, anything to stand out on a show with so many stars. Um, and I feel like I did it, you know? Yeah, absolutely did, man. I mean, and the, the cool, the cool thing about your journey in AW, right, is obviously you had that very good starting point. And then on the first episode of Dynamite, Inner Circle is formed. Yourself and Cody, I believe, were having a match, right? And Jericho comes out. And that's where yeah. the magic begins. I know having spoken to Jericho previously that he was like instrumental in kind of bringing you in and recruiting you to the inner circle and all of that good stuff. So um, how awesome has it been really on that ride to have that mentor? Because I'm going to assume at one point, man, you were just a fan looking at someone like Jericho, like, wow. And now the sex yeah. <laughs> no, it's insane. I remember when the Le sex guy shirt came out, I was like, this is nuts, man. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I used to watch him on TV, pay-per-view, all that stuff. And uh, now I'm in a team with them in the inner circle, the sex gods. So it's, it's such a trip, man. It just goes to show you in life, like, you know, 
uh, when you put enough work into something, you never know what it's going to turn into. Uh, 10 years ago, watching them on TV, 10 years later, here we are on TV together. It's, it's, a, it's been a wild ride. Can you remember how that conversation came about where like he kind of first said to you, like, look, I like what you're doing. <laughs> so, um, man, I don't know. Like, uh, I remember like he kind of said it in passing, like, you know, we're gonna, we got some fun stuff coming up, you and you and me. And I remember Nick Jackson told me prior to that, like, you know, it's going to you're going to be in this group called the inner circle. Or at the time they were thinking maybe it was going to be called the fist because there's going to be five members. Um, but uh, yeah, I remember when Nick Jackson told me that I kind of was didn't really believe it. I was like, all right, Nick, like, OK, buddy, because he always messes around. Uh, yeah. Such a funny guy. And then when Chris kind of said that in passing uh, after his match at All Out uh, or uh, or before his match at All Out with Hangman, he kind of just told me that. I was like, oh, oh, snap, this might be for real. And then, you know, I didn't really believe it until it actually happened that day. Um, and then I remember just standing in the ring, 14,000 people around us and uh, the elite guys laying dead in the ring. And there I am next to Jericho Hager, Santana Ortiz. It's just like, man, this is wild. How did I get here? You know, <laughs> I mean, there's so much ground to cover within the inner circle, but let's kind of, we'll retread that right at the time. I want to go now to blood and guts. Cause this is uh, obviously a match. That's kind of been a year in the making conceptually, right? Cause we were meant to yeah. get it. And then the pandemic kind of screwed us out of it for want of a better term, um, man, what stadium stampede is something I want to talk about later too, but you talk about a lot of first, in a match type scenario, creatively already like a week out, where are you at? Are you kind of like, man, we could do this. We could do that. Like, uh, you know, you did the mental <laughs> ending at stadium stampede. So you thinking maybe I've got to dial it up. Like give me your perspective on kind of what you want to bring to the table in that mm. match or the pressure. Man, I'm always trying to outdo myself, um, which gets dangerous uh, because <laughs> it's like, I've done a lot of crazy things, but I said it last year when it was announced, imagine what I'm going to do. Uh, in a match like this um, so here we are we finally get to get it I was very pumped that I got to still be a part of it because it, you know last year I was supposed to be a part of it got canceled like you said and um, I remember thinking like man I better be a part of this when it happens I know it's gonna happen eventually I better be a part of this and luckily I am and so it's the first one ever and I want to make sure no one has a better one than we do uh, there's probably going to be future ones in the future, but I want nobody to be able to top the ones that we're going to do uh, in like a week's time. Do you think like the level of violence that people have got in their mind is it's going to be crazy hard to match, right? Like, because <laughs> the yeah, match in I itself. Mean, that's the thing, you know, like people have ideas of what it's going to be, but I have ideas of what I think it's going to be. So uh, I think we might be on the same page as the hype for it. You know, I think we all want it to be something, something uh, gruesome and I'm, I'm on the same page. I mean, speaking of ideas and stuff, I just think it's been awesome. The few weeks build, even like the promos yesterday was cool as well. I mean, you were cooking on Sean Spears, um, but, <laughs> but I mean, Jericho as well, like absolutely crucified it as he usually does. Um, but even like the segments before that, where like you guys have attacked each other. Um, of course, there was like your head going through the chair. And then you've got... Yeah, I cracked the tooth. I had to get my tooth uh, fixed. I was going to say, that that was not the goal, right? Did that just kind of happen? And you were like, ah. I mean, it's like, a, what do they say? It's like a happy accident. Like, it looked cool, at least. Um, didn't feel too good, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, when you got your own back, though, I thought that was awesome. Like, the whole setup of where they opened the door, inner circle yeah. in there, and then the beating just commenced. Like, how much fun was that? And, like, creatively, I guess... Uh, do you all just kind of like throw ideas around and go like, this would be great. This would be great. And then you come up with it. Pretty much. Uh, Jericho is a big, big factor of ideas. Um, I feel like that dude just has ideas on ideas on ideas, you know, like he's doing so much. Um, so yeah, uh, it, uh, coming out of the bathroom door, that was like his idea. Um, but yeah, we just kind of throw some stuff at him and then he'll, he'll either like it or he won't or, we'll make an idea baby. He puts his ideas, we put our ideas and then like, boom, we form into something great. Um, and so that's just really cool. It's just like, he hears us out and uh, he lets us get creative when we can, you know? Who's saying, let's give uh, MJF a swirly. <laughs> oh man, that's, that's probably on him, man. That's <laughs> all, I, I was worried about just beating up Spears. 
gotta get some revenge for that tooth. But when I saw that back, I was like, that's hilarious. <laughs> Although you did get spears, man. Where when you threw the door in, I was like, oh, that actually looks stiff. Yeah, uh, I wish I could have thrown it a little bit harder, you know. <laughs> well, speaking <laughs> of going a bit harder, man, I mean, I think the story that's kind of got us here was you and MJF, right? Like that was kind of the fracturing in the inner circle um, talked about how much fun that was kind of getting your teeth stuck into that story. Like, and then obviously you went away for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what were you doing that time away? Were you just kind of biding your time for the story or were you actually doing something else? Like, what was that about? No, I was just, I was just, uh, you know, I quit the inner circle. So yeah, just, just chilling at my casa, you know, <laughs> something I don't get to do too often. So um uh, there's a part of me that was like, oh, I miss revolution and like uh, I'm not on TV, this, that. But at the same time, I try to look at it from another perspective. It's like, all right, I miss this, but it's OK, because later on I'm going to wish I was off some time, you know. <laughs> um, so I just try to take it like in 2019, I wasn't on all out and I wasn't on full gear. And I was like, it's OK, because next year I'm going to be on all the pay-per-views. And in 2020, I was on all the pay-per-views. So. Uh, you know, you just got to take it with a grain of salt. You know, your time will come. Wrestling's like this, you know? Yeah. I mean, I need to ask you then about, like, let's go, obviously, you, you know yourself, you've been in the news a ton, whether it's been true or false. Uh, Sammy Guevara stayed in headlines. Uh, I That's adored, right. adored the uh, the vlog retort to the, <laughs> to the impact uh, rumors and innuendo. Let's get into that quickly, man, because what happened, right? Were you meant to go and be on there? Was there creative? Because uh, the reports were like, oh, Jericho pitched an idea and then it kind of you, maybe you didn't agree with what you were going to do there. That's just what's out there. But I'm just going to ask you straight, man. What was the deal? So I don't want to go too much into it. Like, uh, but what I will say is like stuff just didn't work out. Um, I kept it. I kept it all low key um, until stuff came out. I know I didn't put nothing out there. Right. And I know other people didn't put stuff out there. So it came from one certain side. And uh, some stuff was uh, muddied in the waters, like, you know, some some truths were not truths. Um, but that just, you know, that is what it is. I wish no, nothing but the best for the people uh, over there. Uh, Kenny's the champ right now. So, you know, I heard their pay-per-view did very well. So um, I wish nothing from the best, but I'm just focused on me and what's best for me, you know, and uh that's all I can do is just worry about Sammy Guevara and yeah. the people and my fans, my people, you know, they know what's up. I, I had a lot of people backing me. There was a lot of people trashing me and stuff. Uh, but the people who know Sammy Guevara, watch the vlogs, stuff like that. Like, you know who I am, man. Uh, I busted my ass for years to get in these positions and stuff like that. So, you know, keep rocking with me. Don't believe everything you read online. You know, I was going to say, um, cause I felt like, that was particularly prevalent once you put that video out right and you were like kind of addressing the heat and making fun of it i felt like everyone was more on your team after that right it must be cool to have that voice and outlet it was cool and uh it was funny though because after i put that out then all of a sudden more stuff started to come out (laughs) jesus man like can y'all make it any more obvious but hey man it's all water under the bridge for me man I mean, again, though, just, just sticking on controversy very quickly, you obviously had the whole, and I don't want to get into it, but I want to talk about how you got out of it, right? The, the Sasha Banks stuff. You've had a growing time, right? Like, what would you say that you've learned a lot and having someone like Jericho in, in particular, maybe in your corner, like, is it, I mean, it might not be him, there might be other guys, but would you say that you've learned a lot and you've grown a lot over this past time since you've been with oh. AW? hundred percent, man. I mean, the Sasha stuff, those were just, you know, bad comments on my end from years ago, just immaturity. Um, and I've grown since then. And, uh, that was my whole thing too. Last year when, uh, I did the, the sensitivity training, it's like, you know, I don't know everything and I'm not going to pretend like I do. So when they said to do this training, I was like, you know what, let me look at it from like, a uh, the silver lining stuff. It's like, you know what, I can actually learn some stuff probably from this. And I did learn some stuff, man. Um, you know, that's what life's about. You know, nobody's perfect. We're human and human means we make mistakes. And so, uh, I feel like when you make mistakes, it's just important to try to learn, grow and, uh, and go on, you know, cause life's just going to keep going. And so, uh, Jericho's the man, uh, he, he helped me a bunch, uh, during that whole time and, uh, all the controversies that are happening throughout my time. And I'm, and that's the thing, 
all these wrestling sites, all these dirt sheets, they're going to have fun with me over the years, man, because I'm going to be here for a long time. <laughs> and uh, I, I intend to make a lot more news, good, bad, whatever, you know. I just know I'm going to be in the news regardless. And uh, they say no, no, no press is bad press, so. <laughs> I did think, though, out of that, you know, like Sasha reaching out to you and you two kind of having that um, statement almost on the day. I thought that was cool, though, that you could have a, an honest conversation. You know, I mean, it didn't get too muddy, like you just said about the other stuff. Yeah. And like, that's the thing, like uh, such respect to her, you know, because um, I never even talked to her before. And that's like the first time, unfortunate mm -hmm. circumstances. And uh, she could have you know, buried me or whatever. And like, she, you know, she was hearing me out and uh, we came to like, you know, we had a civil discussion. And so I have nothing but respect to her. She's killing it right now. Had a great match at Mania. Uh, nothing but the best for her. Absolutely, man. And speaking of great matches, man, let's go back to Stadium Stampede. Uh, let's go sure. back to that absolute madness because, I mean, in and of itself, it was like hilarious, entertaining, great action. I'm going to imagine you were the guy saying, hey, man, Kenny, why don't you <laughs> why don't you finish me off the stadium? Like, come on, man, talk me through the finish. So here's the thing. That's not what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to jump off the stadium, which is like 200, 300 feet in the air. And then they said, you can't do that. You'll die. <laughs> uh, and then all of a sudden it changed. to, Oh, maybe you don't do a cool thing off of some. Maybe you someone beats you up and like throws you off of some. Uh, Matt Jackson joking me was like, you know, I'll, I'll give you a Canadian. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is turning on me. This, <laughs> you just see it like, oh, it's turning Oh, and then Kenny's Kenny's like, and I'm gonna give him this, and I'm like, God, man, um, <laughs> it it was a cool moment, regardless, man. That was so scary too because it rained uh, at like 3 a.m., so it was really wet up there. We tried to dry it as much as we could, but uh, it was really wet. So I was like, All right, this is how it ends for me. This is how it ends for Sammy Guevara <laughs> right now. I'm gonna fall, and we're gonna miss this this contraption. Yeah. That's luckily, luckily I didn't die. It hurt. Yeah. It hurt like hell, but luckily I didn't die. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a moment and you're alive. So there you have it. Yeah. Um, uh, Cause that's the thing, right? Like it, how long does it take to film the whole thing? Bro, we started like maybe nine and then we finished at like five 30 in the morning. Oh, Cause like uh, a hurricane, not a hurricane, but like a storm passed by uh, like 3am. So we had to stop and everything. And, uh, yeah, it took so long. And, like, that's the thing. We filmed it in one night. Like, we filmed it the night before Double or Nothing. And we had to get it done in 12 hours. The the fire marshal guy was like, you guys got to do this. The pyro at the end for the elite, they were like, you guys got to do it before sun comes up or you're not going to be able to do it. So we're, like, rushing. It was, it was a whole ordeal, man. What a story it was, though. Wow, yeah, absolutely. And you know, the other thing um, kind of in the midst of that story that everyone likens it to is the golf cart, right? <laughs> Sammy Guevara and the golf cart. Man, you, now that I'm rattling off all these things, man, you've, <laughs> you've had a hell of a run in like two years. Um, I've had a lot of moments, man. A lot yeah. of firsts and a lot of uh, unfortunate moments on my half, on my behalf. But good you, moments to watch. How, how do you take a golf cart? <laughs> how do you take that? Brother, you just uh, you just pray. <laughs> you just pray it's gonna work out. Um, if you look at how Jericho Jericho took it too right beforehand, but he kind of like just barely touched it. And uh, this is my mentality with everything I do. Any opportunity I go out there, I'm trying to make a moment. I'm trying to make the most out of the opportunity that I'm given because it's an opportunity to be able to wrestle in front of whoever's watching. You know. Um, and your time's not forever. So I try to make the most out of the moments. And so I remember Jericho was like, I'm going to take it like this or whatever. Like, and I'm like, I'm going to make this the craziest thing I can. And I remember Jericho was like, nah, you don't need to do that. Plus we got the rest of this match to do. I'm like, okay. But in my mind, I was like, I'm going to make this the craziest thing. Just, just lying to him. That's fine. I won't. But actually. I'm like, Hey man, you know, in the moment, because like that's the thing too. I didn't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll chicken out. Maybe when the golf carts mm -hmm. run out, I'll be like, yo, that's a that's too scary for that. Um, but like I, I have this thing where I hit the F it button and um so I, it's just effort, you know. Let's see what happens. Let's hope for the best. <laughs> and that's what I did. Like, even when I took that super kick from Matt Jackson, 
where I folded in half and nearly broke my leg. Mm. I remember I told him, I was like, I'm going to make this one of the craziest super kicks that's ever happened. And he's like, okay, okay. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> you'll see tonight. Like, it's going to be the sickest. Because that's all I did. I wasn't even in that battle royale. All I did was springboard in and get super kicked. And uh, that was a super talked about moment. And I was on the same show. Cody Rhodes did a moonsault off of a cage. Yet uh, a lot of people were talking about a super yeah. kick. A super kick, something people have seen a million times, you know? But they were talking about that one. Man, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, but, I mean, I know from speaking to guys like, you know, Darby Allen or Jeff Hardy, normally with these big spots or big moments, they're like the brainchild because – it's difficult for someone to come to you and go, Hey, why don't you do this to yourself? Right. So is that the same with you where you kind of oh, go, yeah. I want to do this. This will be cool. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, especially if someone comes up to you like, Hey, you want to do this? And it's like, dude, screw you. You know, like, <laughs> like you, you do that. Like that hurts, but it's so funny. Cause then if I would have thought of that same idea, even though it hurts, I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. It's like, you got, it's your body. So, you know, like you got to care about your body and what you're willing to put yourself through. So yeah, I'm definitely the brainchild with a lot of things. I mean, speaking of uh, your body and what you're willing to put it through, you're, yours and Matt Hardy's feud. <laughs> Man, <laughs> that was, uh, that, that was brutal in so many unexpected ways. Um, uh, there's a few things to get into here. Let's start with uh, the chair shot on dynamite, right? Let's um, do it. So you, 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 you swung that thing. Uh, at Matt and obviously it ends up cutting him hard uh talk to me about like what that's like afterwards because um obviously nobody wants him to get cut open that bad is it cool backstage because again this is one of those things where the dirt sheets per se are like oh there's heat on Sammy Guevara again where it's probably just Mm -hmm. calculating uh what was it like after that Man, um, you know, that was unfortunate for sure. You know, Matt is, I got nothing but respect for him. And I know we might talk more about this in a second, but all this stuff that happened in our feud at any point, he could have said, you know what? It's just not working out. So maybe we just, we end this, but he was so hell bent on making sure we ended it the right way. And so um, with the chair spot itself, you know, um, it's wrestling at the end of the day, stuff Mm -hmm. happens. Matt Hardy's been around a long time. He knows this stuff kind of happens. Um, you know, it it is what it was. You know, it's unfortunate. Uh, he has a scar. I got a scar now, too, uh, <laughs> somewhere over there. Um, but it's wrestling. It's not, it's not ballet. There's so many people talking about unsafe, this, that. It's like me and Matt had a great match before Double or Nothing last year, mm. um, which people tend to forget because of all the other stuff that happened. But we had a great match, main event, a dynamite match. Um and no, you know, no one got messed up. It's just, you know, it just so happened. A couple of things happened uh, on this feud. But Matt's the man, man. Nothing but respect for that guy. I was going to say, like, were you kind of disappointed when you see that? Like, you're on live television, obviously, but you see him get cut open. And again, this is like the Jericho thing where I'm guessing you were a longtime fan of Matt Hardy. And you're thinking, oh, man, <laughs> you know, dude, my heart sank, man, because it's like Matt's the man, dude. I grew up loving those guys, Matt and Jeff. Um, and then like now I'm in this feud with him and I gave him a scar he might have for like the rest of his life. It's really healed up. You could barely see it now, but like for a couple months, I, every time I saw him, I just would think like, fuck man, I did that to him. <laughs> Sorry. I know we cursed. It's fine. Um, but I just was thinking like, man, I, I did that. Like, and so I felt awful about it. Like the internet wanted to bury me, man, but like I'm my hardest critic. And so, uh, there was nothing anyone could say that I didn't already say to myself. Yeah, absolutely. And and I guess like, well, one thing where this kicked into gear was when Matt falls. Now, the start of this match is mental anyway. I'm sitting there watching <laughs> it like, whoa, like, and I guess that's the goal. Um, but of course, he goes out for a second and then he tries to get to his feet, clearly wobbly. And it seems like the match is called and then it's not called. Uh, and then it's like you have to, I guess you rush to what the original finish was going to be. Um, talk again. Uh, this is a multi-layered question, but how Talk to me how mental that was. And did you think it was over? And then what happens? It's like, is Tony Khan the one who makes the call to you and says, nah, look, come on, we're going to finish what we got here. Or is Matt, I guess Matt as well is, is making that call. I think it was Matt who made the call. I'm not too sure about any of it. I just know. Uh, so when we first hit, I had no idea what happened because we hit so hard oh. um, that I kind of blacked out for a sec. Uh, it gets overshadowed, of course, because Matt hit the back of his head. Hmm. But I, we hit so hard. I remember my hip 
hit the concrete. I remember just thinking like, whoa, what just happened? I remember I, I said that as we landed, like it was like, I'm running, I blank, I, I open my eyes and then we're on the ground. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so I have no idea that this man just hit the back of his head. Um, and then, you know, when they, when it was stopped, it was stopped and I thought it was over. Um, and then, uh, but Matt being such like a pro, you know, like he's been doing this forever. He just went on like autopilot. And uh, so they told me he was fine. We ran back out there, did the finish, and then uh, he went to the back. But, man, what a scary scene. Um, I, I feel like everybody learned so much that day. You know, that was like a big learning experience um, for everybody involved. Um, and luckily, everybody is okay in the end, you know. Yeah. And that's a good point, man, because I think AEW since then as well have, like, tightened up on having people at ringside and stuff and checking on all that stuff. So yeah, you have to say that they did learn their lessons and then that wasn't it for you and Matt Hardy. Of course you had the nope. cinematic extraordinaire, uh, the, the deletion match at the compound. Like, again, that must be wildly of fun to have done, but draining too. Like how, how long did it take to put all that together? And even some <laughs> of the spots in the actual ring bit still looked brutal. Dude. He gave me a power bomb on a table, like right in the beginning, and he swung me so hard <laughs> in the table. My my elbows hit the table. They were hurting the whole night. I was like, God damn, what'd I do? Hit you in the head with a chair? Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> oh, I guess I deserve it. Um, but yeah, man. Um <laughs> that was such a cool moment just because, like, you know, we went to his house and stuff. Uh yeah, it was it was really just a cool moment for me getting to be a part of one of those matches, the Elite Deletion, the only one in AEW so far, um, and being able to end the feud like that didn't end too well for me. That's one thing you'll notice: uh, all these firsts and stuff they don't end too well for me. But we're gonna make an exception next week, next week, or I don't know when this is going up. May fifth, let's say it that way. May fifth. It's going down uh, and it's going to end well for me. Blood and guts. We're getting the job done. And the inner circle is going to beat the pickle team. <laughs> the pickle team, indeed. The pickle uh, team. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the elite deletion was was super cool. Like, you know, Hurricane Helms, Gangrel. There's all those, yeah. you know, just quality people like that getting involved. And just, you know, Matt Hardy as well, crawling across the, you know, all the good jokes that are chucked in there. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you get hurt in that match and had... Uh, and was you off after that? Do I remember that correctly? I can't remember. Um, I don't think I was off. Uh, I think I came back next week. Uh, it was like uh, the celebration or something for Max joining the inner circle. And I wasn't ringside because I got the wrong email or something. Like, <laughs> oh, right. I, I went to the beach instead. Um, <laughs> but nah, man, he did hit me so hard in the head with the chair at the end. Uh I remember yeah. they showed it to me in the editing. Like, they showed us, like, an early copy of it all. Um, and I remember they showed one angle where it looked, like, bad. And I was like, hey, can we use it then for angle? Because, like, he really hit me. And then the dude responds. He's like, oh, wow. And I'm like, what? He's like, he hit he hit the F out of you. I'm like, yeah, I know. Trust me, I know. Uh, yeah, man, that, that was such a crazy match to be involved in. Well, I mean, you're going to be in another one, my friend, next week. Uh, and as you say, you're going to have to change the tide on these first for Sammy Guevara. Uh, the pin yeah, I lost the year boy, Kip. I uh, lost to Cody. <laughs> lost to Matt. Look, I, I won the first tables match on Dynamite. Um, yeah, won lest, that. Lest we forget. Lest we forget. Yeah. Uh, well, by the way, just a, a lot of segue question on that. Is it is it cool to do the inner circle as faces now? Because you were so... I feel like you were beloved anyway, right? So now that the fans are almost allowed to cheer for you, like when you get the Judas song and you're all in the ring, like you, know, you got the Sammy chance last night, which must have been really cool. Like it's a different feeling, right? Yeah, man. It's uh, that's it's it's cool now because, like you said, I feel like people have been liking me for a, for a while, and uh, so now that you know they're almost allowed to like everybody else. It's mm. kind of cool because now we're all on the same page. It's not just me getting cheered, even though I did get cheered yesterday. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, it, it's cool. And we'll let's see how it goes. You know, we're, we're newly good guys. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it all turns out. I say keep watching, man. We got a lot of fun stuff in store. And uh, finally, man, last question before I let you go here. 
um, in terms of like your AEW journey thus far, I know we've spoken about Chris Jericho and of course the inner circle, very important to your journey, but anyone else you want to shout out that, you know, I don't know, a veteran who's come in that you've worked with, of course, the great Brody Lee has unfortunately passed on any experiences with him. Uh, you know, anyone behind the scenes, Tony Khan, just give me a picture of like people that have helped you or you've loved working with thus far in particular. I know everyone. Oh but, yeah, you know. man. There's been so many guys that's helped me a lot. Like Cody, for instance, uh, Cody Rose, he could have picked anybody to be with him for that first match on dynamite. And for whatever reason, he picked me and, uh, you know, I, I did my best to kill it with him. Uh, Cody's always been a big, big supporter. Um, Tony Khan, of course, um, you know, th there's been a lot of moments where, you know, I'm sure it wasn't the easiest, uh, to have Sammy Guevara on your roster, but you know, he believes in me and, uh, and, and my capability. So, I tell him every time I go out there, I'm going to try to make sure I give the people something good to watch. Um, so I feel like that's my job. Uh, Dustin Rose, we got to do a little feud for a minute. Got, mm. Yeah, man. There's so many guys back there. Dean Malenko. Like, th there's a lot of good guys back there. Um, and I look forward to getting in some matches with, like, Christian and some other guys like wow, that. yeah. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be sick. Sammy Guevara speaking with our very own Alex McCarthy. You're listening to the Talk Wrestling Podcast from TalkSport on the Fight Night feed. And before we get into WWE Hall of Famer, Jeff Jarrett, a little snippet of last Monday's show uh, where coming up, we react to last week's SmackDown and maybe the end for Daniel Bryan. Right, let's get into the wrestling of the past week and let's talk about SmackDown this Friday night. A pretty good show, top to bottom, but it was all focused on the main event, the rematch from Fastlane and semi-rematch from WrestleMania as Daniel Bryan took on Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. And, uh, you know, this was... One of the best TV matches, certainly the best WWE TV match we've seen in a while. One of the best general TV matches we've seen in a while. They gave it proper time to breathe. Maybe not, you know, if, if the if the fast lane match was bordering on five stars, this is like bordering on four and a half to four point seven five stars. It was, you know, so close to being as good as that. But what I loved about it was yet again, Daniel Bryan using his technical ability to cut Reigns down. Reigns coming back with pure power. And then we had the the whole selling of the arm, the way that Bryan works on that arm. And then at the end, Roman Reigns showing he's not just a powerhouse. He's got the smarts as well. Switching the arm he does the guillotine with in order to choke Bryan out using his good arm to do it. It was a beautiful piece of storytelling. And then all of the shenanigans with Cesaro afterwards. It, I mean, if this is to be the last we see of Daniel Bryan on TV for a while, he went out with an absolute banger. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Bryan, as I say, for all the talk that he might be entering a different phase in his career, he wants to take time away of his family, and we'll get into that in a minute. He still is one of the absolute best performers in the world today, and that's why we rue to see him walk away or even contemplate that but now he is banished in in the terms of wwe but i guess it's all in the wording right because that means he has to leave the smackdown brand nxt which would obviously be the dream scenario or raw are still available to daniel bryan there's a lot of good things he could do there until his contract supposedly runs out in september now as far as the match went yesterday 45 minutes as you said the story they told it was it did it was kind of like a nod to fast lane but it had that different tone because of what's transpired since and as you say the way the finish came about after the match of course we've got the whole reigns was going to give the concerto to brian to really finish him off um as he, as they did at wrestlemania cesaro comes to make the save joe so attacks cesaro cesaro is tied against the ropes as reigns does nail the concerto so you know, Brian is, honestly, Concerto doesn't really write anyone off anymore, but I'm really torn as to whether I think, like, my heart wants him to go to NXT, Will. I want to see that. Of course I do. Um, you know, the, the matchups there for Daniel Bryan are incredible. We're from Gargano, Champa, you know, Strong, uh, Bala. And I, know, I know we've had that before, but there are a ton of them that would be great. It's just... With all the things that he said to us in the interview prior to WrestleMania, that he needs to reevaluate what he's thinking, that his family takes priority. He doesn't want to lose the time that he has with the children. 
He knows he can't get that back. With that, I just... I just don't see it that this is just writing him off to then go elsewhere and have fun until his contract runs down. I imagine he's just taking a full-on break. This is going to be the sabbatical that he was talking about. And he's been very open, extremely candid about his desire to do so, even with WWE partners like BT Sport. He had no qualms about saying, you know what, I think WrestleMania wasn't... I didn't get the buzz from that that I usually do. And I actually want to be with my family. So as much of a shame as it is, I, I don't see him going to another brand in the near future. I think it is more likely that he will just take a break from wrestling. But I do anticipate he'll be back as well. The, the guy is only turning 40 this month. He still has miles on the clock after retiring for a couple of years as well. I really believe that. So I hope we see more of Daniel Bryan. I pray we see more of Daniel Bryan. Certainly more of Roman Reigns, by the way, of his new theme music, <laughs> which I thoroughly enjoyed. But um, yeah, I, I just I'm not sure what the future tells for Daniel Bryan right now. And I think WWE have just planned how can we best serve Roman Reigns here? How can we best make Daniel Bryan's departure help the biggest star in the business? Because there is no doubt that Reigns is being positioned as the top heel, as the top star, and this is with an eye having the Tribal Chief run perhaps all the way to WrestleMania as champion, or certainly the top dog with The Rock in his uh, on his horizon. So, man, it's great that Cesaro is in that spot, and he is coming in, and he's going to be the next challenger for Roman. Does he win it? Probably not. But for Daniel Bryan, I, I, I want to see more from him. I believe there is more in him. He, after talking about he wants to work and he admires the likes of AEW and he'd like to benefit from flirting around with different companies. I'd love, I'd love to live in that world. I really would, especially Daniel Bryan doing his thing at NXT. I just don't know if it's realistic, all things told. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Yeah, wow. I mean, Alex McCarthy went off on one there. Brilliant stuff from him, uh, TalkSports Wrestling Czar. Check us both out on social media. I'm at Will Gav. He's at Alex M underscore TalkSport. And without further ado, let's get to WWE Hall of Famer Jeff Jarrett. He's releasing his own first ever podcast, well worth checking out. And Alex McCarthy just put to him, well, how has this taken so long? I don't know about that, but I guess the timing is right. I'm happy to hear you say that. No, uh, all kidding aside, I think the timing is right. Uh, Conrad's been uh, very persistent on me. Yes. Um, you know, 
the pandemic happened as, as we were just chatting. I think that's the last time uh, we connected just uh, a little over a year ago. Uh, a lot of it's happened. And, you know, on, to me, on-demand entertainment through this uh, pandemic has escalated exponentially. Um, and I'm just celebrating my 35th year in the business this month. So I think for me personally, a lot of ways the stars aligned and uh, now is the time uh, to uh, launch my world. Uh, you mentioned it. I mean, Conrad has been really open about you being on the, like the top of his list of someone that he really wanted to get into. How did he finally persuade you? Is that kind of part of it, the pandemic, where you thought, man, you know, all these, it just the world changes. Maybe it's about time. So Alex, and I was j- just getting into that, that, Yes. I mean, Conrad has been persistent. In 2017, when Bruce was working for me and he had just launched something to wrestle with, you know, there was very brief conversations. And then in 2018, me and Conrad worked together doing StarCast um, and there were stage shows and he's really started to sell me on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I, you know, as a third generation promoter, I've never been interested in retelling stories like I've done that dressing rooms, car rides and all that. But learn from the past, and then how can I get better in the future? Not really talking uh, about or or thinking about dwelling in the past, so to speak. But during the pandemic, uh, and and you being across the pond, uh, hopefully you can relate to this, but Mm. there's a documentary called The Last Dance with Michael Jordan. Great documentary. And it was super compelling. I'm a basketball fan, huge fan. But watching Jordan in that documentary, and he would see archival footage, and then he would convey his emotion, which was super emotional. I connected me with it. That really resonated with me as the form of on-demand entertainment, the documentary, retelling stories, and then Conrad being persistent. And then when Conrad sort of began to lay out the business component of it and the blue chip sponsors that go with it and, and, and basically the platform, it really, everything just sort of crystallized for me. And, and you know, just in conversations that me and Conrad have had he's like dude that's the story behind the story behind the story that's what yeah. that's what people want to hear and so it opened my eyes quite a bit and uh so yeah I'm, I'm excited we've launched a website uh we're rolling this is day five of the media tour and Alex I appreciate you uh, uh inviting me home uh, nice. but yeah I mean it's uh it, it, it's an exciting time uh in a lot of ways um in my career, uh, as as we look, as I look back over the 35 years, I would have never dreamed that I'd be a podcaster, but I am. <laughs> uh, would I? This is speculation. Uh, you're an NBA fan. What are you, Gri- Grizzlies? Oh no, no, no. I, 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 you know, I was, I was raised in my formative years on the Laker-Celtic rivalry. Yes. Uh, but man, I, 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 and, you know, I love Larry Bird. I absolutely, you know, Bird, McHale, and Parish. If we're going to talk basketball, Alex, uh, saddle up and get you some tea time. It's that time of day for you. But also was a huge my uh, Magic Johnson, Kareem, James Worthy. That rivalry was so good. Uh, but no. So and then in the 90s, how could you not be a fan of, of Jordan and the Bulls? But I love basketball. Me and Kevin yeah. Nash used to joke that, uh, w- you know, we're two guys that would watch, you know, in our part of the world, a 2 a.m. West Coast game and enjoy it. So I like basketball. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Lakers guy, but I came up in like the mid to late nineties. So like you said, it kind of crossed over from Jordan into Kobe and Shaq. And there you go. That was, that that was my way. And yeah, I can definitely appreciate the two, 3am games anyway. (laughs) Back to wrestling. I mean, you do have such a unique story because of course the way your career spans the different territories, the positions that you've worked in, like, is that what we're going to get? Because normally it's, uh, if we're just going by the Comrade blueprint, it's kind of like Jim Ross on the shows he's worked on and or Eric Bischoff on WCW. Are we going to get the whole length and breadth of Jeff Jarrett? And I'm telling you, Alex, one of the things this week that's surprised me, but also excited me, you really can't talk about my career if you, you know, the WWF and the WCW and the WWE time is is the obvious. And then obviously the TNA years. Mm-hmm. But look, I, I met Martin Goldsmith and his brother Harvey Goldsmith in 1993. So the United Kingdom, there's a lot of stories that I have from the United Kingdom. There's a lot of stories I have from Australia. There's uh, me and Sting did a pay-per-view in New Zealand. 
Rink the King was a television show that we produced in India. Um, I was a tag team partner with Mil Mascaris in 18, uh, 1988, and we were tag team champions. Uh, I wrestled in Japan in, in the early 90s, as well as the Bullet Club. Uh, you know, Mexico uh, becoming champion down there twice. So, yes, we're going to get all 35 years. And Conrad has sort of laid it in me from day one that he just said, you're, you're, the path you've traveled being a third generation. My grandmother got into the industry in 1946. So there, there's some archival stuff that we can, we can discuss. My father obviously wrestled and promoted and he promoted Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage and the Road Warriors and Jerry Lawler and Austin Idol and Bill Dundee and the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express and Jim mm-hmm. Cornette. I mean, there, there's, so yeah, I, I'll say this, Alex. I think I've got plenty of content to cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Um, I guess there's a couple of bits that I want to talk about in terms of your overall career, man. Like, so during your, your stay, like you said, you worked under various people. Eventually you became your own boss, which was amazing as well. Right. Um, let's start, I guess, with Vincent Mann, right? Vincent Mann, the persona is one thing on TV for you and your various, cause you, you've had different, this is why I asked this question as well. You've had different times with Vince, right? Over the years. Sure. Um, what was it like for you working with him? Like what's the real man like for you? And, and you know, it goes without saying, I, I believe if not the greatest heel persona, he's certainly up there just cause I guess he wasn't a full-time wrestler. You don't, you can't give him the number one slot, but as far oh. as a heel persona, Mr. McMahon, it's just incredible. And, and, and whether it's the undertaker or stone cold or rock or Jerry Lawler or, or who sting, uh, it doesn't matter. The most successful performers always are really playing an extension of their personality. So as a part of Vince in totality, there is a part of Mr. McMahon that is absolutely real, mm. but then there's also a part of the compassionate father of two now grandfather, um, but, but also a man that, that, that took his father's organization from a business perspective um, and made it into first a national in the United States. And then he took it international, traveled all over the globe. And then he took it public. Uh, and, and then as a part of taking that pu- public, then 10, 12 years later, he was ahead of his time taking it into the streaming world. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, the WWE network, and now he's licensing the network uh, all around the world. You're well aware of that. And, cool. and, and so, so his business acumen uh, is, you know, uh, the, the evil Mr. McMahon persona um, can't always sit at the boardroom because you won't get a deal done. So, so, so it, it's just simple. Vince's business acumen it, it is he I, I, I personally believe he's the greatest promoter of all time in any form of entertainment and, and his track record backs it backs it up you know we're not talking about Wrestlemania seven or eight we're, we're at 37 38 and, and, and counting and and when you talk about SummerSlam and Royal Rumble and the business model it, it's just when you really drill it down to the, the promoter, and again, I'm a third generation promoter and, and promoting in my blood as well as his. But man, he has no peers. It's really incredible what he's uh, what his um, career ha- has shown. Well, I mean, speaking of incredible careers, I think when you moved to WCW around the turn of the millennium, a lot of us were happy to see like main event Jeff Jarrett. Right. Because you'd been the Intercontinental Champion. You'd done great things in WWE. A lot of people were ready to see you do more. And then you finally did. And it's a shame, obviously, WWE didn't last too much longer after that for reasons way beyond your or anyone else's control at that level. Um, but, you know, how did it feel to finally arrive as the main event talent? You must have already believed that you were. Part of the po- podcast is going to tell that story because, you know, my in-ring um, and, and, and backstage at WCW during that era was so chaotic and mm. so many moving parts and the bash at the beach and creative control and Brad Siegel and, and a guy named Bill Bush and the, the change of regimes and Eric Bischoff in and then out. And, it, you know, so backstage, it was really difficult. But what I could control was the in-ring product of, of Jeff Jarrett. And I loved it. Uh, but, man, it was it was, you know, you. you you work your whole life and you get into this industry to become world champion. 
So I was super happy and super grateful and a lot of moving parts. Uh, but, you know, behind the scenes, it was what it was. So, yeah, I, I was uh, really elated. But but in, in my world, I think it's going to be pretty cool to understand, okay, this was the, this is what we saw, you know, the triple cage with Arquette. Wow. The story behind the story behind the story of that one to get into it. That's just an example. So uh, lots of stuff like that. But yeah, the WCW run was was uh, bittersweet in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, I'm obviously coming out of that TNA is created. Um, and I will say, obviously, you've worked for like Bischoff and whoever else was pulling strings at WCW. Um, WWE, Vincent Mann and whatnot. By the time you get to really head up something what would you say that you'd learned like was it more like i'm not going to do those kind of things or you know how did you really shape yourself in that role sure when i launched tna i was 35 and and i did it with my father um and look the the business was drove an extreme wedge between us but you know working growing up uh in the family territory um, and knowing how that was run and then going to Puerto Rico and Japan and, and different promotions around the world. But then arriving uh, at the Big Apple, the WWF at that time and seeing how, you know, the buck stopped with Vince still to this day it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and how knowing that there is a one human being that has the final answer and what he says goes made so much sense to me. And then you get to WCW and there was never uh, never a clear cut answer. This guy had creative control. That talent had creative control. Okay, no, this is the writer. No, this is the booker. This guy's doing live events and this guy's doing marketing and they all got their say so in the corporate world. And I'm not reigning on a corporate entity, but it doesn't work in entertainment. It just mm-hmm. doesn't, in my opinion. So getting into TNA, trying to create that balance and learn that balance that, that I still believe this day and look, we can all improve and get better, but but the way entertainment works is it's storytelling. And at the end of the day, I've never really seen, uh, or, or, yeah, I'm sure it exists on some levels, but you know, you don't have a, a, a group of authors say, hey, let's get together and write this book. And we're going to all write this book and you write this chapter and you write this chapter and you write this chapter and we're going to publish it. That just, right. that doesn't make sense. Same with if you're, you know, to, to, to cooking a meal, you know, you, you sort of got to have a vision and you may have a, a chef over here and do this, but it's all one big direction. So on a movie set, you have a, you have, yes, you have a list actors, but at the end of the day, you got that producer director and the script and you go for it. So launching TNA, I, I tried to take as much of that, uh, you know, and sometimes failed, sometimes succeeded. So in a lot of ways on my world, I'm, I'm just as excited to talk about the failures that I flopped at, but really how I learned from that. Maybe somebody will take something away from that. Maybe not in the wrestling world, but if you're listening to it, to, to maybe take that and say, okay, Jeff screwed up this way. Maybe I'll figure out and not do his mistake and, and do better. I do think there were successes though, man. Like, especially when you look at TNA, I want to say maybe around 2010-ish, in and around that year mark. And you look at what some of the talent have gone on to do in the business and stuff like you really cultivated an amazing roster. I mean, there was great TNA TV at that time, but I think even more than that now, I know Samoa Joe just got released, but AJ Styles as well. Like how proud are you kind of looking back at like, yeah, man, we, we created something great there. And, and I guess proud of the talents and what they went on to do too. Well, when you look at two from, and I, 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 you know, especially over the last 90 days, things became even more crystallized. From about 2009, 2002 when we launched to about 2010, 2011, yeah. that's TNA. Then it transitioned to Impact. But in the TNA days, I mean, Ron the Truth Killings was the first uh, African-American uh, NWA World Champion. Eric Young came on board as part of Team Canada. Bobby Roode came on board. A uh, young AJ Styles. Samoa Joe, uh, you know, joined the ranks. Christopher we, Daniels. We could go with motors- yeah, Christopher Daniels, Motor City Machine Guns. Uh, you just sort of talk about that whole evolution, and then they faced the main event mafia. And those guys, individually, you know, they had had their big runs, but when they came together as a group, they were a very formidable heel faction yeah. led by Kurt, who in a lot of ways was really in his prime. You know, w- w- the, the Kurt Angle, that, that, that when he came on the scene, it, it, it just, I mean, 
he did so much for our, our, our business and so did Steen. So when you look at those years and the talent and it still resonates today, you know, a young Nick Aldis, NWA heavyweight champion is, we could go down that, the boat. I think I referenced the Motor City Machine Guns. They were a hot, a young, young bucks were a part of the uh, uh, crew. I mean, you, we could Family. talk about it. Yeah. 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 And so when you talk about the relationships we have in New Japan back in those days, and obviously the AAA relationship, uh, in early days, as a part of the X Division, it was very, very lucha influenced. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of fun during those days. So, I will say there were some successes. I was going to say, you just talking about all of that. I want to hear the pod just to talk about how you got hold of all these talents, man. Like, that's so many. Um, but yeah, it's very, very exciting. I mean, uh, before I let you go here, I want to talk a little bit about current shop. Um, you've been keeping up to date with WWE, AEW? Alex, I'm a bigger wrestling fan than you are. So, you know, <laughs> maybe not all the intricacies of it, uh, but certainly I do. I, all, you know, whether it's AAA or CMLL or Ring of Honor or Impact or AEW or NXT UK or NXT for all SmackDown, there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole, there's New Japan and New Japan America. And then there's, you know, MCW, Melbourne Championship Wrestling in, in Australia. So there's a lot going on in the world, but yeah, I do keep up. <laughs> you definitely do keep up more than me, if that's what you're keeping up with. Jesus. Um, I will say this, though, right? Kenny Omega, he's just collected the Impact Championship, AEW champion. Roman Reigns doing great work in WWE. Like, talk to me about the people you see, you know, killing it right now at the top of the business. Like, what do you make of those top stars? You know, Kenny, it goes without saying, and, and the cross-promotional exchange, I've always been a big fan of that. We just talked about Antonio Pena yeah. and, and AAA coming up, and, you know, we worked with New Japan, 07, 08, 09, Talent Exchange um, at Global Force. That was the vision from the beginning. Worked with multiple promotions. You, you guys in the UK from ICW up in Scotland, Progress, yeah. 1PW, way back in the day, uh, you know, Doncaster. So, so I've always been a huge fan of cross-promotional storylines and talent exchanges. So I think it's great for the industry. And Kenny, I mean, it goes without saying, it's easy for me to say he's a fantastic performer. He is. Uh, but 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 him and Don Callis and, and sort of the story that they're weaving and they're, you know, it appears to me showing patience with it. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's compelling television. And then, you know, I think you mentioned Roman, you know, Romans is, is, is multi-generation. Uh, you know, we all know who his family members are. Yeah. Alpha, Sika, The Rock, Rikishi. Uh, I mean, we could go on and on the, the Usos. So, so Roman's bloodline, but also his sort of, not sort of, his burning desire, uh, you know, his personal uh, triumphs uh, over uh, his health condition. And then, you know, Paul Dangerously is what I used to call him, but Paul <laughs> Heyman dates back to the late 80s in, in Memphis. Their combination, it works. You, you just, you know, it, it's a really compelling uh, combination. I mean, Paul with Brock, Paul with Punk. I mean, when you just sort of do the connections, it, it's fantastic. So I could talk, I mean, don't get me started. I could talk <laughs> a long time on, on, you know, uh, the ins and outs and ups and the downs. But um, the thing I, maybe one of the things that excites me the most is, you know, in America, we have Raw on Monday, AEW, I mean, uh, uh, NXT on Tuesday, AEW uh, on Wednesday, Impact on Thursday, SmackDown on Friday, and of course, our ever-growing list of pay-per-views and specials and, you know, the networks on Peacock. So um, to, 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 know where I came from 35 years ago that wrestling was a Saturday morning maybe time slot mm. to where it is today you talk about incredible growth so it's exciting Jeff Jarrett Double J WWE Hall of Famer talking with the Talk Wrestling Podcast on your Fight Night feed keep checking us out downloading us giving us ratings and reviews we love it we love hearing from you the fans and the listeners and on Monday nights we take your calls we have extra guests we do a quiz it's a really great show so every Monday night on TalkSport 2 check out social media for what time we're going to be on normally at 7pm sometimes it gets moved around if there's live football that's cool we uh, just want to be here and we love getting the opportunity to talk wrestling on national radio every single monday night with you you're listening to talk wrestling from the fight night feed thank you for tuning in hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 